Note to self. Hi, welcome back to part two, where we talk to Mr. Jung-ho Park, Artistic Director of Fremont Symphony Orchestra. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode, and Cassandra, take it away. I was wondering if you could provide examples of specific pieces or compositions that evoke certain emotions. Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, pieces that I think, um, composers in particular, that I think really speak to audiences very readily. I think Beethoven has this universal appeal, and there's a good reason why. His rhythms are quite visceral, quite energetic. His structure and his harmonies surprise, and, and they break all the rules of the early part of the 19th century, coming out of the classical period, ushering into the romantic period. And I think people today, when they listen to his music, sense that rawness, that's, that he's not a perfect composer, but he's a composer who strives, and you sense that. And I think people are, can, can relate to that. Um, a composer that I think orchestra musicians love, and I love to conduct, is Gustav Mahler, who writes music that is of such extreme emotion and color and dynamics. And Tchaikovsky, Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky, the famous Russian composer, um, also writes with his music heart on sleeve, lays at everything out there, weeps and cries and shouts in exaltation. He is the complete range of human emotion. So I think those are the composers that I think audiences love to hear over and over again, because it, they're kind of like um, 3D composers. They're virtual reality composers who create a, an entire world. But I, I also love Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach. His music is, is a cathedral. Of, of perfection it is he, he he expresses human emotion in the most sophisticated sublime way no other composer approaches that people many people love mozart i love mozart as well so you know i i think these famous famous composers are famous for a very good reason it's because they have somehow tapped into the essence of the human psyche one of my favorite composers is a composer named johannes brahms and his music for me, soothes the soul. It is pure love, his music and and uh, humanity. I love the way you describe that. You always describe everything so beautifully. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I've had to work at that, to be quite honest, because, you know, when I was younger, I was, uh, I was awkward and shy and somewhat. Um, I had a, a bit of a stutter sometimes too. I still do a little bit. And I realized soon that being in classical music and, and working with symphonies, they needed an ambassador. Because most of the people don't have 10 collections of the Beethoven symphonies, and they haven't studied all the works of Mozart. They come just to be entertained. Things haven't really changed. And you know, you go to a restaurant and you're trying a dish and the waiter is saying, ooh, and we've got this chicken tonight that has got this wonderful Bernays sauce on it and, you know, capers and, you know, white wines. You know, then you get you get salivated. And you go, okay, thank you for explaining this to me. Now, now I understand it. All you need sometimes is just a little bit of understanding. And that's, that's, I was really inspired by Leonard Bernstein. He was a, oh my goodness. He was an explainer par excellence. Um, you know, they used to call you know Bill Clinton as explainer in chief of explaining difficult ideas, and uh, Leonard Bernstein was explainer in chief on behalf of the arts. 
And he inspired me to that you, you don't have to use big vocabulary to impress people. In fact, he would sit down at the piano and play music of Elvis Presley or the Beatles to say, and this is what Tchaikovsky is doing in this passage. And so whether you were seven years old or whether you were 70 years old, you go, oh my gosh, this is not brain surgery. Oh my gosh, this is, I don't have to have a, a, a doctorate degree to enjoy this. And that's what I try to do in my own way, the way that Julia Child made cooking accessible and Emeril Lagasse at the Food Network made cooking fun or, you know, Martha Stewart or, you know, all these people that, that explain things that, uh, that really everyone should have the right to enjoy. I love that idea because especially with classical music, a lot of times it's as if it's an elite type of music and you're expected to know something. So going to a concert, you may not understand everything. So that explaining it and making it more accessible is honestly something that's so important. Can I, can I say one thing about that is that it, it, and explaining it is only half of the battle. The other half is you got to deliver. How many times have you been to a restaurant and you left the restaurant going, eh, it's okay, and you never go back? S selling a, a piece or selling an experience is half of it. Then you got to knock them out. If you don't knock them out, you know, we live in a YouTube world where if you don't like the first five seconds of something, you're on to something else. And, and I've got one shot. You, you go to a restaurant only once. And if, and if you don't deliver, you lost them. That's incredible. And we were wondering what it's like to be in the Fremont Symphony and how on a daily basis being part of the symphony would look or sound like. Well, the thing I love about working with the musicians at the Fremont Symphony is that they're all very kind and they're very good and they're very committed, experienced professionals. So we can put together concerts pretty quickly. Uh, whereas if you play in an ensemble in a school, you might have two months or three months to prepare a concert. Sometimes we put together concerts in one day, one rehearsal, one two and a half hour rehearsal or maybe two or three or sometimes four rehearsals of two and a half hours each. That's because they're really good at what they do. So it's a lot of fun to work with people. We just get together and you just read down the pieces and I give a couple of ideas and they, they adopt them and interpret them and some beautiful things happen really quickly. So it's, it's really fun. Another thing I love about the Fremont Symphony is that they let me experiment. They let me do things that I think are creative and unusual and daring. And uh, not all orchestras will be that flexible, but they are, and, and I appreciate that. And uh, I like working with the administration. The executive director is Paul Yanakone, and the board, board has been very supportive as well. They're thrilled. In one year, we have doubled the attendance, uh, actually tripled the attendance in one year. So audiences, new audiences, people who never considered themselves symphony fans are coming. Um, and that's because they let me give the audience what I think they, they need. And so I'm very appreciative uh, with that. Making music with the, with the orchestra uh, and in this beautiful hall, uh, we're at, uh, we, we perform in Union City um, at Logan High School. Yeah, they have a beautiful theater. And so even though we're the Fremont Symphony, we, we, we get around and we share, share the love, share the beauty. And we perform there, and audiences love that hall. It's a nice, modern-feeling hall. 
and it's it's been a privilege. I, I have another orchestra on the East Coast called the Cape Symphony. I've been with them a lot longer. I've been with them for 15 years. And the, the two are very different orchestras, but they're both filled with very, very nice people. And that's I'm, I'm very blessed in that regard. Um, something I, I didn't share yet is that I've been a teacher for a very, very long time. In fact, longer than I've conducted professional orchestras. Uh, I've taught at an art school called Idlewild School of Music and the Arts in Southern California. And I, I, t I was professor at UC Berkeley. Uh, I was professor at USC in Los Angeles. Um, I was director of orchestras for a long time at a place called Interlochen Center for the Arts. So long story short, I am the most blessed musician because I've got, I get to work with young people like yourselves for you know, still, even to this day, I work, do all state orchestras and I teach, but I get to work with some of the best professional orchestras around the world. Um, I, I've conducted in Europe and Russia. I've conducted in Asia, all over South America. So, you know, I'm lucky. That's amazing. Do you think there's been any significant differences in how people perceive music, whether it's in different locations? like across the world? Yes and no. Um, some of the differences when I go to other countries is that audiences can be younger. Uh, sometimes I see younger families or younger people attend concerts more than in this concert. For some reason, um, a, a lot of the symphony concerts are attended by people who are, let's say, generally older than 60. Um, and that's something that I think we need to change and address and, and something I'm very passionate about. So that's a difference between uh, audiences. When I conduct concerts in Europe or um, when I was in Russia, there was a, a more of a social understanding of classical music and what they were listening to, although that's changing. In Europe, the younger generation are more interested in pop music and they're becoming less invested in classical arts in general. This is a, a real issue. I don't know if it's a problem because things evolve and things change and, and things get replaced with other things, but it is, uh, it is a kind of a global warming of the arts, if you will, a change. But where things don't change so much is that when audiences sense that a player or a conductor really loves what they're doing, that reaches across languages and country borders people want to see someone enjoy themselves people want to see someone who um, is in love basically and so that i find is, is a commonality even in this country uh, one of the things i love about what i do is that when people walk in the door there is no requirement whether someone is a liberal or a conservative whether they're rich or they're poor or what religion they believe in, or what their ethnicity is. They sit down in a seat, we're all one, we're all one. And uh, that's, that's my goal, is I, I, I not only want to change my community, I want to change the world. That's a really noble cause, and I think I really agree, especially when you brought up that music can unite, because I really do feel that. And I guess to build off of that, what would be your favorite part of conducting and why? Well, it's related very much to what you just said. And I, I'm so 
I have to say, I'm so impressed that there's a music therapy group at your high school. Um, as I was saying before, the podcast that it's just amazing that people are aware of music therapy and are passionate about it to, to form a group. So I'm very honored to be here. I, I think in some ways, music therapy is one of the purest forms of being a musician and being a human being because you're using both beauty and science and medicine to make the world a better place to help someone. And as I said before, I think music was created to reach out to another human being and change their heart. And boy, I just, uh, I can't think of a, of a more pure way of doing that than music therapy. My favorite part about being a conductor is very much all about that. Um, when I was younger, you know, there is a joy about moving your arms and kind of like Mickey Mouse and Fantasia, you wave your arms and people follow you. It's kind of like the broomsticks and the Sorcerer's Apprentice and you feel very powerful. But as you get older and perhaps a little bit wiser, you start to understand that that's all very superficial because the people who are playing at you, for you, are human beings with greater experience. They are playing their instruments and they have dreams and hopes and their own emotions. And you have to respect that, that you have, as a conductor, have no power whatsoever. I mean, if I conducted right now in my living room, there's no sound. I owe everything to musicians and, and their craft. So the greatest, the greatest thing I love about conducting is the ability to inspire them and to make them feel like they're 17 years old again, to make them remember why they started to play and to conduct in a way that gets them to feel liberated. Because, you know, when you play in a symphony, it's all about um, kind of uniformity. Okay, we're all approaching this note this way. We're going to play it this way, and this short and this loud and all these things. It's about kind of giving up your individuality for the whole which is a beautiful thing in itself, but sometimes it can be overwhelming. And my, I believe my part of my job is to unleash the individuality as well as the plurality of the group. So that when, person, when a person's playing their instrument, they feel proud, they feel connected. They say, this is me doing this. And this is us doing it, but it's also me doing this. I'm making a difference. And that's, I, I, I feel like uh, someone who's unleashing the energy. I, you know, the word conductor can mean many things. You can be a conductor of a train. I love that because I feel like I am a conductor on a train taking people on a journey. I'm taking the musicians on a journey from measure one to the end, taking the audience on a journey, the composer. But I'm also a conductor of kind of like electricity. We all know how copper is a conductor of electricity, great conductor of electricity, how water is a conductor as well. I consider myself a conductor of passing energy from the composer to the musicians and the musicians through me to the audience. And that is the greatest uh, thing I love about being a conductor is I'm a conduit of energy. That's so unique. I've never heard of it like that. I've always thought of it as between the audience and the conductor, but you kind of showed how it's between the composer and the musicians and the audience and connecting everyone together. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's a very interesting observation. And I think a lot of people, when I was younger playing in the band, I, 
I did not understand my relationship to the audience at all. I thought my relationship was to the music in front of me and to the conductor and other people. The audience was just observers, kind of like, you know, I was an animal in the zoo and the people paid money to come see my cage. And, and, and if they liked it, great. And if they didn't like it, too bad. You know, this was a class and, you know, my class is my class. I got a grade in it and uh, we were just there to perform it, like it or not. And it wasn't until later that I realized that actually the audience is the most important thing and that we as students practicing our part and practicing in the, in the classroom have to remember that it, you're, you're, you're like a chef in the kitchen. Do you prepare the chef or the waiter to serve it? No. You prepare the, you prepare the food for the person to enjoy it. And, and we must never lose sight of that. So I think that wraps up today's episode. Would you like to conclude with a few words about Fremont Symphony Orchestra? Oh, well, thank you. I, I'd love to. I just, you know, people have a preconception of what a symphony is like. Maybe they see it on television or on the internet, but I'm here to persuade anybody who feels like, oh, I know what a symphony is, to actually come and visit the Fremont Symphony. That my hope is that they come and they say, well, uh, I want to be entertained or I want to be inspired. Um, uh, what can, how entertaining can it be? And I, all of the hundreds of people and thousands of people who come see the Fremont Symphony every time we give a concert can't be wrong. Give us a, a, a shot. If you've never been to a symphony before, we are the symphony for you. You won't feel uncomfortable. You won't feel um like you don't know anything, it, it'll all speak to you immediately. You'll be very welcomed. And I think you'll have such a great time that you want to come back again and tell your friends. That's my, that's my hope. Okay, thank you so much for talking to us today. And if you haven't checked out Fremont Symphony Orchestra, please do. And thank you so much. It was my honor. Thank you. Good luck for all of you. And uh, hope you, your journeys in music therapy yield great fruit and great rewards for you.